All right, hello and welcome to Inverticast. I am Leah from Tarantulia, as always. I have Simon from the Mantis Garden. Hello, Simon. Hello, How's it yeah. going? Oh, it's good. Um, I actually have kind of a little like cold uh, cough kind of thing going on. So if my voice sounds kind of wonky, that's why. Um, but thankfully, I have a voice. So. <laughs> I was I was struggling to say hey then just like five minutes before the, the you started I was I had to turn it up because I couldn't hear you I had to turn the volume up so oh geez okay okay <laughs> yeah duly noted <laughs> but yeah no it's um you know this the the ick is going around here in the in the states I don't know about over there but I'm sure you guys have your ick oh yeah <laughs> yeah. I hate it when that happens, but I'm waiting for my wife to lose her voice again. <laughs> Is she watching? She knows you say that. <laughs> no, luckily she's got she's got out. She normally makes a cup of tea when we start and brings it up. You see, slides it in the side here. Oh, so I, I can say that I'm safe at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> for now, right? <laughs> yeah, for now. Until <laughs> it's over, and then I'm in trouble. <laughs> All right, so um, this week we are talking about a really cool topic that last time we talked about it, don't think we really gave it a lot of, we didn't really get into the scientific side of everything, but it is the best podcast uh, topic for this podcast, and that would be isopods. Um or the order of isopoda and of course i have i have a couple of my personal like colonies of isopods with me so i will show you guys that here let me get them com configured and you know but this i, I didn't bother dragging any i got like 70 species here and I, I didn't bother dragging any down because i thought <laughs> they are very small, obviously. Um, I mean, at least at least these species are small, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the species of isopods and kind of um, what what they are, what they look like, all of that funness. Let's see. I'm going to turn this kind of wonky. Sorry about that. But here, these guys like to hang out underneath all the sphagnum moss I have. Um, I don't know if y'all can see, let's see, but they are right there. So these are, these are the dairy cow species, which I believe are, uh, I have it right down. Yeah, they're an armadillidium. No, they're not, my friend. The cellulite is dairy cow. Oh, see, and I don't know, I, I, I feel bad. That I don't know, like all the scientific names. I could have told you anyway with that croaky throat. You like, I heard, I can really hear it now. Now you point it out. <laughs> we should have done one of frogs, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I actually used to have a job that my my froggy voice when I got sick was was a good thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't mention that. But yeah, here we go. Here's a good kind of a good view of. These little guys, they they're they like to hide mostly. Um, so I will uh, talk about that. So let's let's talk about these guys. I took lots of notes um, about them, but unfortunately, I couldn't find any um, like folklore or mythology about them, which is kind of odd because most things do have some kind of folklore. Um, but no, I didn't find any of that. <laughs> but I did find plenty of wonderful scientific information about these guys. So, um, isopods, like I said, are from the order Isopoda, and there is estimated to be about 10,000 species of known isopods. Um, they're one of the most morpholo morphologically, morphologically, sorry, uh, diverse of all the crustacean groups. So these guys aren't necessarily insects, they're actually crustaceans. Um, and they range in all sorts of sizes from like micrometers 
to about a half meter in length. Um, they live pretty much everywhere on Earth. Um, I don't know if we've actually found any on Antarctica, but I wouldn't be surprised because these guys are just that adaptable. Um, but they definitely also live in the deep sea. So another really cool, interesting thing about these guys. Um, but it also kind of makes sense because they're crustaceans and uh, we, you know, we can definitely do an episode about crustaceans and, and exactly what that means. But they're actually essentially like related to um, <clears throat> lobsters and crabs um, and those kinds of critters. So fascinating stuff. Um, let's see. <laughs> So uh, I found a lot about their in um, their anatomy, and I'm trying to find a little guy here that I can get out of this colony to show them. I should imagine. Yes, because they're so they're so small. Yeah, hopefully, right? <laughs> well, they're, they're all uh, they all have different amounts of lungs. Are well, they not actually lungs? Um, they don't actually have lungs. They have what are called uh, pleopodal gills. Huh? Yeah. Pleopodal gills. Yes, exactly. And and pseudotrachea. So, right. uh, being that they are so small, I don't think I'm going to be able to show you like exactly what that looks like. But um, I, <laughs> I'm not you can't. That. <laughs> uh, I got the largest terrestrial uh, ice tort here. Oh, cool. Um, so I might be able to get one down in a bit and uh, see if I can uh, find its lungs. Oh, oh, that would be really, really cool. Yeah, like uh, I wouldn't even know what to look like for. Uh, the, for just for... <laughs> just a white. It, it looks like uh, if you've got four, it looks like white chevrons on uh, the rear rear end. Shall oh, interesting. Okay. Okay, good to know. If you ever so, see them on moss, dark moss, and they'll put the back on there, they're actually breathing. The oh, wow. On the moss. That's, that's amazing because um, the ones that live in the oceans, in the oceans, they actually do, do also breathe, but it's like a gas exchange. And they mm -hmm. use their pleopods for that. So they have a, a specific organ that allows them to do a gas exchange while they're underwater. Um, but same with the, the land dwelling guys, they actually can do the same thing. So even if they do find their, their way into, you know, someplace that's really, really wet or just full of water, um, they can still do a gas exchange and be just fine, which is really fascinating. Um, I think, Dude, isopods are pretty amazing. I, I love them. And I'm going to show you guys my um, favorite species that I have um, in my personal collection here, which is the Cubaris species uh, Panda King. Um, these guys are really, really cute. And I think that's probably what draws people to isopods to begin with um, lately, maybe, is that they are just so cute. <laughs> but they're also really interesting creatures. Let's see if I can get, there we go. Maybe a decent, oh, okay, that works. <laughs> Me and my crazy angles. But anyhow, these guys are the panda kings and they're really, really cool because they look like little tiny pandas if pandas were bugs. So <laughs> let's see, let me see if I can grab one. These guys are also, they can roll into little balls. Um, just like this little guy has, but and then they they open right back up, and he's at it again. Yeah, but you can see the coloration on him. No, no, conglobation. That means uh, if the conglobate is rolling up into a ball. Yeah, globe globalization is. I I found the term to be globalization, but I I think the yeah <laughs> it's conglobate conglobate yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. So. Yeah, so these are, this is what the little Panda King guys look like. And um, I really like them. They are just, they're really cool. 
and as you can see they they can they can stick to you like you know turn them upside down so yeah really cool part of these i think i dropped it that's okay um hopefully you guys can kind of see my little colony here there's quite a few they're all all in here um but okay so what makes an isopod an isopod you might be asking so i all isopods have two pairs of antenna uh compound eyes and four sets of jaws so if we were to essentially look at their little faces really 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 close up they're actually a lot scarier looking than <laughs> than what we think because we just see you know these cute little pill bugs and um we think oh they're adorable but yeah. microscopically they are terrifying so there's that <laughs> um i mean four dude fair four pairs of jaws that's just it sounds amazing uh, their body is called the perion and it consists of seven segments and a short abdominal section with six segments called pleons and each pleon has a set of um Biramus uh, limbs, or basically bipedal limbs, uh, called pleopods, and they use those for swimming and breathing and you know moving around. Essentially, uh, half of the known species of isopods actually live in the ocean. So, of all the species of isopods that we have here on land, like these little guys that we could breed and have, uh, the only half of these. Uh, creatures live uh, on land, essentially. So, and and of course, it's the oceans. We've only explored five percent, um, which means that there's probably a ton more species of isopods that we just don't even, we haven't even uh, discovered or or learned about yet. We've only identified this this around five hundred uh, in freshwater as well. Oh, see, and that's. That's why I keep you around, Simon. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> There's approximately four and a half thousand in the sea, uh, marine, and five hundred freshwater. Yeah. And just over five thousand identified terrestrial ones. This is the big thing is the identified part of this because they've discovered more than that. Oh um, yeah. But, but they had probably officially written it down in a book <laughs> to say that's what we're gonna call it. So yeah, yeah. That, that's the other thing. The ones you've got there now, panda kings. Yeah, uh, panda kings is not the proper name. No, so, it's not. They're not described. It's because there isn't a proper name. It's just Pubaris. Something's gonna be done in the future. So let's call them <laughs> panda kings. And that's that's. I find this an interesting thing because I find it a, becoming a bit of a problem because of the hobby. Mm. Uh, pe people are starting to morph isopods. And we don't even, we haven't even got a name yet for them. Um, and people are getting used to this, getting this habit going of, of calling things by a, yeah, a, common, a name. common name. Right. And when you do get a proper name, it's going to be a real struggle to remember what it is. You know, it's going to be like, oh, what's that again? Like, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, anyway, sorry, carry on. No, no, you're fine. I, I, Simon, you know, I love your input. I appreciate it so much. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I tangents, normally. Uh, they're wonderful, but I, I totally agree with you. I think that happened with tarantulas as well. Yeah. Um, like, and that's, that's also kind of what caused that big old confusion with the, uh, Kilobrachis um, which formerly was known as the Kilobrachis species electric blue. Um, and and it finally was described and all these people were like oh it's a newly discovered and it's like no they finally wrote it down they finally just studied it it's been discovered since like the late 1800s um <laughs> there's, a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of animals and books to get round to i suppose but you know they're, they're not very quick at doing it are they uh, it's it's You've got to be fair there. They're, they're a bit on the slow side at, at pulling the finger out and saying, yeah, let's do 10 this week. <laughs> it's like, uh, let's, let's do one over four years. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's more of their, their view on it. I mean, I know, I know they have to, you know, 
dissect. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely everything. I think it's because there's just not enough entomologists or arachnologists or something. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> but, uh, you know. It's, it's money. It's money. Uh, yeah, all makes sense. Like this research, everything else needs funding. Uh, back in the day when people were finding things and naming things willy-nilly, it was normally, if you look back, the, the people like Darwin and, and, and uh, Linnaeus and that, they all mm -hmm. had family money. And they mm. paid for it. They paid for everything. They paid for the travel. They paid for collecting. They paid for the time. They paid for the research. Whereas right. now, everything's done in universities. We only trust people if you've got a PhD. So if you haven't, you can't write a paper. You know, nobody's going to pay attention to you. Uh, and that's, I, I think that's that's extremely wrong. Because well, I've, I've read so many papers and they've been wrong. Yeah, well, know? it's so elitist kind of like it's yeah. you know because here in the state it, it's 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 stupidity when it yeah comes no it's to awful like dissecting things under a microscope fair enough carry on you do that uh, <laughs> but the other stuff pretty much anybody with a magnifying glass can identify something you know yeah. and can't fit it, it, it it's just really irritating when they when they when they Stamp their feet and say, "No, nah, you've, you've not been to university or you've got a degree in entomology or mycology or whatever it is," mm -hmm. and that's it. You can't do it. That's, that's so unfair. <laughs> right? But no, I I definitely agree. I mean, I think it was a little easier for Darwin um, because there wasn't a such thing as that. Like, it wasn't wasn't really known. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole university they they had universities. But universities weren't the same as they are now. And uh, now that like <laughs> that whole spectrum of things has changed. Uh oh, here comes my menace. Sorry. But um, that whole spectrum of like the universities and titles and doctrines and all of that like has changed so much that, you know, peer a peer reviewed paper literally means that it came like you like you said from those universities that you know that's what how you get that recognition which i i also agree that that's not super fair to folks like us who um you know we really do care about the inverts but we like, i don't know about you but i can't afford a university degree anymore <laughs> i could once i can't no more <laughs> i did actually so, look into it for this reason um mm -hmm. And then I thought, I'm just too old. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll just enjoy them. I'll, I'll do my own, my own research, you know, and that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um, fortunately for me, to become an arachnologist actually doesn't require a degree from a university. I mean, it helps to have like a bi biology degree or like an entomology or whatever. Um, but essentially, because I looked it up, essentially to be an arachnologist, you just need to know your stuff and have some experience with arachnids. So, um, yeah, just that experience and having a, a good vast of knowledge, reading lots and lots of arachnid bo uh, books, uh, and that's kind of where that goes. So technically, if I really wanted to, I could call myself an arachnologist, uh, but I don't because you know, I'm I'm still learning. Like I'm always learning. So, so are they, if that makes you feel better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They don't know everything. Nobody's yeah. an expert. No, no one knows anything for sure. I I agree. I. I've got to say one thing. Some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life have been teachers, and students, and university lecturers. Some of the dumbest people ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's always hope for everybody else. <laughs> well, there's something Absolutely. to be said. Something to be said about uh, book smarts, uh, book smarts versus you know common sense smarts or street smarts. You know, um, I think I'm I'm one of those very lucky, lucky people that I am talented at both. So I don't know. Don't hate. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Um, okay. <laughs> so isopods. Are are um, interesting. They actually play 
a really important role in uh, soil and keeping the soil and like the dirt and uh, the ground basically fertile. Um, and same with the oceans. They also play a role in the oceans as to keeping the water and the ground under underwater and stuff basically clean of like fungus and uh, like rotting carcasses and debris and that kind of thing. Um, because that's what they eat. They eat uh, they eat algae, plant, and animal fungal material um, on land, which is known as taxon. So that's, or no, that's what they do. And then they are also um, prey items for like larger inverts, like spiders, uh, centipedes, you know, stuff like that. Um, birds, oh, I, I believe. Just, I just don't like them. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they're not the <laughs> they're not the best source of nutrition for any of them, but um, they do play a little bit of nutritional like value for some some animals. Uh, and then the marine isopods uh, eat algae, diatoms, live vegetation, wood, and dead animal uh, flesh. So that's pretty pretty fascinating. So they're basically. Um, a lot of people in like the tarantula hobby or uh, I know some people in the reptile hobby will use isopods and springtails together as what they call a, a cleanup crew. Um, but I got to say that if you're only using isopods and springtails and you're not bringing in the other cleanup crews like dung beetles or millipedes, um, you know, like earthworms and stuff, then you're really doing a disservice to your bioactive because uh that that's not it you're only gonna get like half of the picture if you will interesting stuff um but we well that's a whole nother topic that's a whole nother thing and i i actually believe that there's a whole nother podcast that talks all about bioactive if it wasn't for icopods i think we'd all have a lot more disease around um, oh absolutely we're yeah. so here in dead leaves so yeah, uh -huh. always like the isopods. Yeah, I, I mean, isopods. The, you, know, you look at you look at autumn. The leaves all come down in the forest, and when it gets to spring, they've all vanished. And all you see is little skeletons. And that's isopods eating them and millipedes. Mm -hmm. So you know they just pile up on each other on rocks. Mm -hmm. Same with the dead carcasses and, and the other things that they eat, because they eat poop as well. So yep. animal poop. Yep. They have a lot of that hanging around. <laughs> they do, yeah. No, it's uh, I'm actually, yeah. It's it's a grateful thing for sure to that they exist and that's that's what they Very do. Much. Cause, uh, Very really important species to the ecosystem everywhere throughout the world. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so another cool thing about isopods is that they have a lot of nicknames. <laughs> So those of us in the hobby like and love inverts and stuff, we know them as isopods. But in all actuality, they have all sorts of names. Like uh, here in the States, they're called pill bugs or uh, roly polies, woodlouse, uh, all sorts of, of, you know, sow bugs, stuff like that. And I know that in the UK, there are a few really, really interesting nicknames. Would you? Care to enlighten us on some of those things? We've got in England alone, this is without Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, we've got over 300 names for isopods <laughs> in, in, in different localities. I grew up calling them woodlice. Woodlice, so, yeah. Which is standard because that's exactly what they are. Yeah. My mom said that's a woodlouse, so yeah, this is a woodlouse forever. Um, but if you go down the road, they're uh, chili rigs. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, how did you come up with that? It's, what is a chicky yeah. wig? Chicky wig, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 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 Bumble Bobby. Uh, uh, just, just, oh, there's so many of them. And now you put me on the spot. I can't think any. I never really heard the term pill bug until oh. I started keeping them. Because yeah, I, no, I, as a kid, we never called them pill bugs or sound bugs. It was just all woodlice. Yeah, um, I think for me, like when I was a kid growing up, I mean, we, we only called them roly polies. So that, again, that term 
Pilba was, you know, I learned that later, you know, doing research and stuff and being a part of a hobby. A lot of people do call them pill bugs. Yeah. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about pill bugs? Like, what is that? And uh, come to find out I'm calling them roly polies um, because that's what they are. <laughs> you get some, you get some weird, weird questions. I mean, I, I do obviously because I sell them. So uh, I get some weird So like, what kind of cheeky wigs have you got, for instance? You know, <laughs> like, what? Because <laughs> I haven't all 300. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's still a lot out there that I have no idea what they are. And it's just these silly little localized nicknames. Norfolk has about five or six different names for them in that, in, in that alone. You know, and, and you, they're all dotted around the country in all these different weird, strange, and wonderful names. Um, <laughs> I, I did a video on I suppose, a while back, and I, I, I listed about 20 or 30 of them from uh-huh. the bubble screen uh, that I thought was like most interesting. But as I never use them day to day, and I've only read them once, I can't really answer you. There was uh, a paper on it, actually. Really? Uh, with this dad, because we, we have like, we, we have that many nicknames from them. They found it so interesting. It was worth visiting the entire UK and then writing down what people uh people called ice pops. So that's that's so fascinating. Like I love that uh there's just so many nicknames for one little thing. And I, you know, it, it just goes to show that the that they are, like I said, you know, they're they're incredibly diverse. They're, you know, adaptive. They live everywhere on Earth. Like there's not a place you can go that you won't find a pill bug. Um and they're or a, a late or a roly poly or an isopod, you know. Uh, I, Do you know I, what isopod I, means? Say what? Do you know what isopod means? Uh, no, I don't actually. That is one thing I didn't. Greek for equal. 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 So, holder feet. So, equal footed. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's the means. Yeah, I saw equal footed. So you've got the, the, the two Greek areas, not Latin for a change. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly what it means. I thought that was a, a QI thing. So it is, yeah, equal feet. That's what it means. Wonderful. Oh, thanks, Simon. I appreciate that. Because I was wondering too, I was like, why can't I find the, you know, the root language of isopod or isopoda? Uh, but sure enough, it, so this it is what we have to do a podcast on Latin and Greek. Yes, <laughs> we do. You're gonna love that one, though. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, yeah, like the language behind invertebrates is is fascinating all on its own. So I definitely agree. I think an episode is is due for that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of them you can you can split them all. Uh, I'm just forgot I've got. I can't, I can't see any of them. I've got two lights here. I can't see any I can just see boxes with labels uh-huh. on. I can't see the labels anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Off the, off the top of my head, I mean, you, you, there's like loads of like uh, Amaglidium maculatum, for instance, which is right. everybody calls that a zebra. The ze- yeah, the zebra isopod. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one that annoys me because everybody calls it a zebra. Even I do. <laughs> I, I found myself doing that. I talk to that many customers who want them. Uh-huh. I found it impractical now to say maculatum. Yeah, because they won't know. Because they've no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I put it on the label when I send it, you know. Mm. So so they actually do have the proper name. Um, but nobody, nobody seems to know half of them. And they are really, I, I think, I suppose, are really, really one of the easiest to learn. Absolutely. Oh God, self-explanatory names, and they're really easy to learn. <laughs> that right. Say and easy to learn. Unlike yeah, like I... ants and spiders and stuff that, that are like tongue twisters. With with the uh, with these guys, that somebody's whoever's in charge of naming them all is doing a good job because <laughs> keeping them simple. I can just read them and go, oh yeah, that's such thing, and I, and I can work it out as well because. With doing the, the the Latin and Greek sort of thing, um, I can I can split it up and I know what what it actually means. So I just see a name, 
uh-huh. uh, which was confusing actually with maculatum because maculatum means uh, two spotted, uh-huh. which is a bit off uh, because they're stripy. But there you go. By well, is that a question? No, it's it's Bug Corner UK. Well, Jason wants to say hello, Simon. <laughs> oh, hello, Jay. <laughs> I can't see the chat, mate, so I don't say hello. <laughs> I can definitely see the chat because, uh, yeah, Lily was also saying that, you know, you can't see the screen. And uh, so I think there was a, a little bit of, of yeah. controversy there that, you know, so I, I decided, okay, well, I'll hi- I can highlight that. No worries. <laughs> Oh, yeah, anyway, I don't know what he says. Uh, but if anybody's got any questions about isopods, then you know, now is the time to type them in. And if you're yeah, on look, Gerald Fogg, you should have come to YouTube and subscribe so we get some more people on YouTube. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the YouTube, I don't know. I think a lot of people really enjoy, you know, listening to uh, the podcast once it's all produced and edited. Because um, yeah. I I do kind of go through and like edit and uh, break down the stuff and and it, sometimes we have little moments of like just silence or dead space so I I cut that out um, so I make Dude. it a little more like commercial if you will I don't talk enough yes you talk you well you know what <laughs> honestly we both could talk more so <laughs> I yeah you know, just if you just said like. Here's the touch paper. I could just waffle on about all sorts of things. I never ever stop and you'd never ever be able to edit it. Oh, I know. I know. I'm the same way. <laughs> um, I did actually find some uh, really cool, like interesting thing about isopods, um, a, a specific species uh, known as the Blasinomus. Um, and then the specific one is the Blasinomus giganteus. Which is a huge isopod that it yeah it, it gets like fourteen inches, so that's a foot plus some. Uh, and it lives in the this one specifically lives in the Caribbean Sea, and it they scientists obviously think that the gigantism of certain species, like once they live in in that deep sea, it's an adaptation yeah. to the extreme pressures of of the deep deep ocean essentially so i mean once a dude it i mean there was a, a huge controversy last year about the uh submarine that went down to go check out titanic uh and the titanic uh basically crash site like where it eventually ended up under underwater and so at that depth which it was i believe it was like a mile and a half down it wasn't even that deep like where the mariana trench is close to, to six or seven miles it's six miles right it's like six miles deep down so and i forget exactly the uh the feet or like the kilometers um but it's a lot it's like thirteen thousand some odd oh no it's it's a lot more than that it's it's crazy amount of feet um but in any case once you get like a mile down okay we're talking 5280 that's uh, 5280 feet you know that's one mile down that's where the pressure really starts to kind of get intense um we can still manage to get a little deeper but if you go much deeper than that that pressure is just too much and the the interesting thing about the mariana trench as well is that um no human has been in a manned like submarine that has been able to go all the way to the bottom. It's been an unmanned submarine. So they've been able to send little like robotic machines down. Um, and I'm not sure if it got all the way down, but they've been able to send them down. Um, but if it, if there was a human being in that little machine, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make it like if there's just no way because the pressure is that intense. So uh, scientifically speaking, that's why, the Blathenomus giganteus is as big as it is, 14 inches of isopod, uh, because that's 
that adaptation to be able to withstand that pressure. 350 milli for everybody else. <laughs> Wait, what? 350 millimeters for everybody else. 14 inch. There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So um... I only said that because you said a lot of people want, uh, listen in Indonesia. So if you'd have gone 14 inch, they'll all have to get the little thumbs out and start finding out what on earth that is. <laughs> So I know, uh, right? I have 350 to... millimeters or 35 centimeters, yeah, 14 inches. Yes, thank you for that. Thank you so much, Simon. See, it's, this is why I love our podcast so much is because you give us the kilometers and the meters and I bring the U.S. stuff and that's, that's perfect. We bring it all. That. We've got it all. We've got it all, guys. Got it covered. <laughs> um. I also uh, wanted to talk about the fact that um, a lot of the marine species of isopods are parasitic. And so there's, uh, there's a few species of fish that, you know, they will essentially attach underneath the gills um, to, the, to the fish. So the isopod will attach to the fish underneath the fish's gills. And yeah. Exactly. And then, so they're, they're parasitic. And um, I also had to kind of dig for the information as to the oldest fossil ever recorded yeah, of an isopod. About 300 million years old. But there is one that actually lives on a fish's tongue as well, uh -huh. which is disgusting. It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> it hooks itself onto the tongue and stays there for, for, for life. Yeah. Uh, free food, though. I mean, come on, it's it's smart. It's smart. I think that's why it does that. <laughs> yeah, that's why uh -huh. it, it does what it does, isn't it? It's all about food. It's all about food and survival. Yeah, absolutely. Food and sex, basically, everything and mm -hmm. every creature. Food and sex—they're the only two. <laughs> why they do what they do? Yeah, for sure. Oh, the bug world says hello. Billy is here. Well, hello, Billy. Welcome to Inverticast. Hello, whoever that was. I, I'm struggling to hear her. Am I bright white now? Because the sun, the sun has just decided to come right up. It's I mean, cloudy yeah, I all day, and then all of a sudden I can't see a thing. I have to put lights on, and now I can't <laughs> see a thing. The sun's just beaming through this window in this face now. So, oh uh, goodness. Okay, yeah. so the the oldest recorded fossil is 168 million years old. Um, and it's actually of the parasitic form of isopods. So we can deduct from that bit of information that the, the parasitic form of isopods was the first, probably yeah. the first like evolution of them. Um, and then the ones that we get on land and stuff are kind of the secondary, they came later. So there's an awesome one from land though, I mean. Yeah. The marine ones are interesting, but I, I get a bit bored of them. Um, they're all a bit samey. And they, they're not, I think it's because you can't have them in a box, you know, and, and mm. see them and then grow them and breed them and all the rest of the things. They, they, they're a bit, you know, uh, all right. But, but I, yeah, right. <laughs> the terrestrial ones are fantastic. I mean, because uh, they're an excellent starter. If you if you just want to get into bugs, for instance, isopods yeah. are brilliant for that. Uh, they're they're fantastic. Yeah. There's a price range, isn't there? There's a price range yes. like next to nothing, a few pounds or a few dollars. Sure. Uh, for for some species, right up to like ridiculous amounts. There's some absolutely ridiculous amounts of <laughs> expensive isopods. Yeah. Just well, that that's a it. you want to see oh. I wonder if I can look after this bug. If well, you that's get a perfect. Uh, even get them out of your garden. Uh, I don't advise that because you know, rather to keep them the ones you buy, uh, because they're used to a certain environment, and you take them out of there, put them in another one. Yeah, it's a mix mixed bag of results you're going to get. Uh, so I suggest you buy them of somebody who's breeding them. Uh, yeah, actually, go to reputable breeders. Absolutely. Yeah, like me, for instance, come and buy them from me. All of them. Yes. I'm all. all. No, no. <laughs> just, just by yourself, a breeder who's got some, um, takes up a little box, asks a lot of questions, asks a lot of people who's into the hobby, 
ask him the questions, ask the person you buy him off the questions, do, do a little bit of research. Right. Because you know, a, re a reputable reader, they're uh, going to be able to answer your questions without any kind of uh, hesitation. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that, yeah, that brings us to. Sorry, I'm over talking you again. I no, no, you're all right. You. I don't know when you're starting to talk, you see. I normally shut up when I can hear you starting to talk. <laughs> Um, if the best person to ask is the person you buy them off, mm -hmm. and the best way to ask them is ask them how they keep theirs. Mm. Because if they have got enough to sell, that means they're doing it right. Right. Rather than ask somebody or look at YouTube or another obvious, ask the person who's selling it. They're doing it right because they've got enough to sell. That is really great information and actually the best advice I think I've ever heard as far <laughs> for readers. And that, that goes for that goes for tarantulas, that could go for mantises, um, mm -hmm. not just isopods. I agree. Like right. if they've got enough of them to to sell, then they're doing something right because they've got a few. So um, which also brings us to a really cool segue, uh, when you were talking about price points and like keeping isopods to uh, my list of the five like best isopods or um, best isopods to kind of start with or, or to look for, or you know what I mean. Uh, so if you're looking to get into isopods, these before are the five start, things you Before you start, because you, you've got no idea what I think I'm thinking here. I've got my top five in my head. Okay, well we can, so I was clear. Let's do your list, do your okay. list. And I'll just say yes. If it's on my list somewhere in my top five. Sounds what sounds per so the first so I'm gonna go from one to five. The first few are gonna be like the easier species to keep, and then the last couple are gonna be the more challenging. Um and so yeah, we'll see if you yeah, this is a good idea. Okay. So my number one, like easiest species to keep, best beginner species overall is it was kind of a mix between the armadillodum maculatum and the uh the dairy cows so both of those two so the zebras and the dairy cows i felt like those were the two that are like the best absolute best beginners because they're super active um they're cute they're like black and white you know um they will they will breed quickly so you'll get you'll have a colony that's large within two months or so um which again is another really nice benefit of these guys so, so what do you think simon is that a yes that's a yes that's a yes especially the dairy cows yes that would be my number two but okay you've squeezed, you've squeezed two into one so <laughs> yeah go on then. yeah i'm not sure all right so number two my number two is the lava isopod or the portachelle Porcellio scaber. Um, these guys are a mottled black and a dark orange color. Again, they're pretty active. They don't they don't need a ton, but they do have a, a slightly different body shape than the dairy cows and the, the zebras. Um, they're very pretty to look at, and they don't again they don't take a whole lot of time to produce that colony. So was about two two to three months and you should have a very active colony so long as you're doing the right things um yeah what is that is that a yes that's a yes any portfolio stable any of the maps really awesome so you've, you've got ghosts uh you've got moo cows which is probably one you've not not heard of i don't think <laughs> the same as the dairy cow but it's yeah. instead of the latest well they're, they're quite easy um, okay. Yeah, ghosts. I don't have to look up, you think, here because <laughs> I can't remember them all. Uh, but yeah, any Pacelioscaper is another excellent starter because they're really easy. Uh, they do like protein more mm. than the Atlidium species. So if you're going to keep them, your dead cricket is uh, a roach or mantis in my case or anything else. It makes the day. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so my number three 
Now, these guys are a little more challenging for most people, um, but they weren't quite as challenging for me as I thought they were going to be, so that's why I put them at number three. Uh, this would be the Cubara species panda kings. These guys are super, like I showed you them earlier in the podcast. They are super cute. They're colored like a panda, so they have their front end is that black, and then they've got the middle portion that's white, and then the end portion of their bodies is, is black. Um, so they definitely look like little pandas. Um, they do take some time to breed. So if you get like a culture of about 10 or so of them, it's going to take at least three to four months or so before you start to see a lot of them coming around. Um, so you do have to be a little patient with them. But they are super active. They're really, really cool. And they roll into the little balls. And that's how they got that cute nickname, Lily Pulleys. My dog's knocking stuff over. Sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, so the Panda Kings, they will roll into that little famous roly-poly ball um, as that defense mechanism. And uh, yeah, so that's my number three. How's that? Is that a yes or a no, Simon? That's a yes. Uh, Panda <laughs> Kings are very easy to keep. Uh, but like you said, they are slow. Yeah. I, I find that Panda Kings, it's my experience, how I keep them like it a little drier than most mm. species and they do like a lot of calcium and provide limestone if you can they're not too fussed about uh protein as much as uh stabers and babies but still really eat it from now and again but yeah that's really good advice today your top five's coming along really well wonderful thank you for that i appreciate mm. it okay so my number four would be the Cubaris species rubber duckies. Um, these guys, they're super famous in the hobby right now. Like they, you know, everybody wants the rubber duckies because they're so cute. They literally look like little tiny rubber duckies. Um, they have like kind of that black body and then their little face and their tail is that orange or like yellow color. Um, so yeah, super cute. They're not as easy to breed they do take a while um and so that's going to affect their price point i know here in the states that's what affects the price point is how long they take to breed um so these guys are definitely going to need close to four to five months before you're going to have a really healthy stable colony uh, yeah so what how how does that one <laughs> I, I think they're easy uh Okay. But I wouldn't advise them simply because of the price. Right, that price. And that's uh, why I put them. If you go out and buy 10 for 100 quid, I mean, I, I think that'd be more than that. I think they're more expensive than that. I don't know. I haven't. I, I don't keep uh, any of the really expensive ones because it's just pointless. I, I, they're just a waste of space for me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm selling I want to be selling it. I don't, I don't want to be on the shelf for three months trying to yeah. come you know, right. and then sell half of it and then I have to start again. So I'm well, and that's, no point it, in me doing it. Um, in the States, that's part of the fun of them is that they're so rare. So when you do see them, you've got to snatch them up because, again, they do take quite a long time to breed and to basically colonize. Um, and so, yeah, here in the States, it's, it's like $150 for, for a culture of 10. Yeah. So they are, they're pretty expensive. I was going to ask you that if they were just as expensive in the UK as they are here. Uh, I think they're a little cheaper here. Um, okay. But you have, you have lots of other options. Um, so that one's a no. There's lots of little groups you can join and, uh, and get into. And many other hobbyists that have managed to, to grow a colony and they want to sell some. They normally sell them a lot cheaper. Um, Typical is about half price, actually. So, okay, you know that's 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 worth it. But if you if you're starting out with ice pods and it's your first one, uh -huh. I wouldn't advise it because if you fail, it's an expensive fail. It is. So, yeah. You know, whereas you're spending three pound or five dollars, whatever, on dairy cows for your first mm -hmm. one, and if they all die, you've made a mistake. It's not 
I mean, it's sat there, it's buds, but it's not costing you an arm and a leg. So uh, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I, I, I would avoid them, but solely because of the price. They are easy. You are right. They are easy. Okay. No worries. So, um, okay. So my last, the last species that I have on my list are the number five, um, which I probably should have switched the rubber ducky and these guys because they're not uh, quite as hard. But these would be the Armadillidium vulgare, also known as the Japanese magic potion isopods. These guys are so cool. They are my favorite um, because they, they're kind of this white cream color, but then they have little neon spots of like neon yellow and neon green and the black in there. So they look really pretty, um, but they do take at least five to six months to breed. So again, another one of those slow colonizing species. Um, but they're they're really pretty, and they also are like the zebras, and they will roll up into those little balls, the little roly poly balls. But it only takes them a minute to unroll and be like, oh, hello, okay. Um, <laughs> they're they're super. I love the Japanese magic potion, but they are a challenging species, um, just for the fact that they take a long time to to breed, essentially. If, but I I would I bet agree, you would. I agree with the full gas. All the full gas are an easy species to keep, but yeah. there are what people don't understand when they when they see vulgar. Because we have, well, we don't, because we're too far north, believe it or not. I haven't got vulgars in my garden. Oh, if no. Right, 60 miles south of me, that's when the vulgars start uh -huh. people's gardens. Um, but then, then ones, and the ones you're talking about, magic potions, uh -huh. have different requirements. Yeah. And people, you can't keep them all the same. This is, this is, this is something I keep trying to drum with people with ice pods. People keep them all the same. They say, oh, keep it like ice pods, like the millipedes, etc." And that seems to be a, a misconception that people have, that you just keep them all the same. Right. They don't keep them all the same. They don't all like the same foods. They prefer more of this, more of that. Magic potions, a little high humidity. Yeah. Uh, a little warm just... temperatures. The same libel gas. I would mm -hmm. love to say in my garden, but not in my garden. Um, and then you've got Versicolors, I've got St. Lucia, so, you know, mm -hmm. a little warmer as well. Um, I have um, about five different Bulgars on my shelf there, but unfortunately I can't see them, I can't remember them either. But, but yeah, there's loads of different Versicolors, uh, they are very, very easy to keep, uh, yes. but make sure you find out where they come from. And again, ask the person who sold them to you. How they keep them. Keep them. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's, that's the best way you can do it is by copying their successful method. Uh, yes. A letter. You know, and that's, that's, that's it, really. So uh, the breeder that I went to, which it, we interviewed them actually a while ago, uh, Rubber Ducky, a rubber ducky isopods that's the, their company name they are absolutely wonderful people um and i get all of my isopods from them and they yeah they they said exactly the same thing as you simon gotta you know some species are gonna like it a little more humid some species are gonna like you know higher temperatures some are more uh protein they need more protein in their diet whereas others are gonna need more calcium um, so definitely, you know, do a little bit of that research as always with any invert that you're that you're planning on getting. Got to do that due diligence. Um, but isopods are absolutely uh, an amazing way to get, you know, if if it's your first time in the invert hobby and stuff, these guys these guys are a really great place to start. Um, just because they are pretty easy, like they're not they're not super challenging. Typically, if you have, you know, like a bin with with your soil and your substrate, you know, you put some sphagnum moss, maybe some dead leaf litter, uh, a couple of like driftwood pieces that maybe you've sterilized or whatever. Um, keep one side more moist than another 
So like one side is always dry and then one side is is moist. So and of course depending on the species that depend on your moisture. But typically that is all you need for a successful colony. And you check on them once a week, make sure there's enough moisture, give them the food that they need, and then you know, leave them alone for, for another seven days. And in no time you'll have a really great great uh functioning colony um but that's about the end of the podcast we're at the point where we do our shameless plug so simon what you got what you got going on this week well i haven't really done much on the on the uh on the channel for a while oh me neither now and again i'll pop up and do something uh it's mostly streams because it's the start of the year and uh Mm -hmm. It's the start of uh, breeding everything for me and uh, things hatching and etc. So I haven't had time to even watch half of the videos that I normally watch. And mm-hmm. I spent most of my time feeding. Uh, so, and <laughs> like I said, we went to a, a show last weekend, weekend before, something like that. Um, we did that. So, again, couldn't get around to doing videos. Mm. Uh, but yeah, shop's open now. Uh, still not put all the descriptions on my website, so I've not made it live yet. <laughs> uh, I will be getting that. So I haven't done that, and that makes money. So you can imagine, like my eagerness to do videos on YouTube, yeah, is back there, and and the website's up here. So I, I you know, that's really what I should be doing. I'm going to be working on the website, uh, next Willy and uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's about it really um okay that's me is facebook instagram discord if you want to buy something that's where i'll be yeah you open ask awesome okay no that's fantastic i love it i'm glad that you know it's a new season um glad that your neck isn't too bad today super happy to see you as always I'm, you know I'm very pleased about today it just feels like life up and picked up and started just moving really fast for some reason out of nowhere like Hey, hang on it's only february like what's going on okay so um <laughs> so for my shameless plug uh just like you i've kind of neglected my personal channel at tarantulia um but that's not to say that i don't have videos that are like just needing a little tweak and peek here and there and i'll be dropping those soon hopefully i'm 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 so done giving absolute dates because <laughs> just, i yeah, can't keep up um i'm a lot like you it, it's not my neck it's actually my back so i have mm. some back issues and uh you know good days bad days we 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 push through um but obviously subscribe and like in Vertica's. come check us out check us out on all the audio streaming platforms um usually once this video posts i put them all down in the in the description so you can find where we are uh and then also we have a discord now so we have a discord server and we also have of course the inverticast facebook page so if you've got burning questions find us we're pretty available like all over the place um and then what so for next week we've got a uh an amazing guest i don't want to spoil it too much uh, Simon over here scoffs, but um, I'm actually really, really super impressed that this wonderful guest actually wants to take the time out to talk with us because they are quite, quite busy. Um, but we, spiders. I don't think so. Oh, think, good. That's all right. Well, I, yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> she, she has a lot of spiders like I do, um, but her field of study is entomology. And so she oh, actually, right. <laughs> she works. <laughs> 
No, um, she's uh, she's an entomologist. She's actually going for her PhD, so she is a doctor. Um, but she works with the Colorado State University, and she also works very closely with the Butterfly Pavilion here. So, um, not just spiders. I can promise you that Butterfly oh, Pavilion, okay. they've got it all, man. They've got it all. I so, think butterflies um, are, butterflies and moths are probably my least uh, experienced or read about or, you know, subjects yeah. in, in insects or in arthropods in general. I know more about tarantulas than I do butterflies and moths. <laughs> well, so that's, that's see, scary to me. You've got that. a great opportunity then. You get to pick her brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have some questions. I'll give some questions. Don't Good, I hope so. <laughs> I know I will. Um, but in any case, so yeah, we have that guest next week. I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, that's about all I got. So like I said, like and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. And we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Thank you, Simon. See you later.